I'm ready to talk about Scott Fitterer and how he looks just like uh, your average salesman. He looks like everybody named Scott. Like, <laughs> yes, <he all>, <laughs> like if you took every person on the planet named Scott and like averaged <laughs> it out, that's what you get. Yeah, and like included their jobs and everything too. Yeah. <laughs> we can, so like, I guess like, like I said in our Slack chat, he just looks like every like every single decent sized company has a salesperson that looks exactly like Scott Fitterer and he's worked for the company for 20 years and he's a super yeah. friendly guy, but he's yeah, a little rough he's, around the edges, but he'll yeah. invite you to his house and have a real nice barbecue. Company record for most consecutive employee of the month awards. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like the, the go-to guy. He knows the ins and outs of everything in the business. He's the guy that always brings the birthday card around for everybody <laughs> to sign. Yeah. He's like the de facto like office manager in terms of uh, <laughs> yeah. not in terms of like paperwork, but in terms of like office morale. First edition of the Keep Sounding podcast for 2021. This is Brian, joined by John and Brad, as always. John, how are you doing? Doing, I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for asking. Always, Brad. How are you? I'm doing great too. So, how are you, Brian? I'm I'm very good. Yeah, we never ask um, you how you're doing, Brian. I think we, we should do start doing that. We do sometimes. You guys, yeah, but... you guys do do that sometimes. Um, I think the people want to know how you're doing, Brian. Um, I'm waiting for the cold embrace of death. That's that's what I'm doing. Um, okay. Well, at least he's not fine. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been. I guess it's it's been a while since we've uh, we've all three convened for a podcast. Um. As you Panthers fans may know, based on watching the end of the season, the uh, the Panthers, toward especially towards the end of the season when none of the games really mattered, can be very exhausting. So we apologize for not having as much content as you'd probably like. But hey, it's a new year. It's new us. It's a new podcast. New year, new me. Let's go. Um, <laughs> and the Panthers started the new year off by hiring Scott Fitterer of Seattle to be their GM, which was not Marty Herney. So that automatically makes the move probably pretty good, just in my eyes. Um, but let's break down our thoughts on this particular hiring. I'll start with you, Brad. What do you think of Scott Fitterer? Um, I think we should let John give the description of Scott Fitterer um, that he <laughs> shared with us in our Slack chat today, because I'm going to be honest. I don't really, I did some research on Scott Fitterer today. And I, I think I came out of that research knowing less about Scott Fitterer than I did when I started. Well, lucky for you, I put the, the, our description of him before the show started in the cold open. So oh, people okay. kind of heard it. Okay. 
Um, well, well, then I'll just continue. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's really a little time warp for us, but yeah. Yeah, I I don't really know what to to think. I mean, we interviewed fifteen people, and then we narrowed was that, the that actual count. Yeah, it was like fifteen. It I was either fourteen or fifteen. I don't remember. I now. didn't realize it was that many. I must have missed. Yeah, some. we we interviewed a lot of people. Um, and we narrowed that down to four. Uh, we had Scott Fitterer, we had Adam Peters, and I legitimately don't remember the other two, and it doesn't really matter because we didn't hire them. Um, I think Ryan Poles was one of the other two. He sure was. Yep. And I don't remember the the fourth one um but like i said it doesn't really matter because we didn't hire them um but um fitterer has been with the seahawks since 2001 uh he started as an area scout for the giants in 1998 before being the area scout for the seahawks uh from 2001 to 2010 and then he became the director of college scouting then the co-director of player personnel, and then the VP of football operations. Uh, he, he's been the, with the Seahawks for 20 years. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's like the guy that was the brains behind the operation, or if he just happened to be in the room or, or what, because, you know, John Schneider is their general manager and he speaks very highly of Fitterer which, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, they had, they had him on staff for 20 years. It's not, well, that guy's terrible at his job. Well, why'd you keep him around for so yeah. long? So, you know, um, but, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think there's a way to know. I mean, we'll get into this in a few minutes, but, you know, the Seahawks have been really good for the last 10, 15 years, but, you know, how much of that is because they had Scott Fitterer as their um, player personnel, college scouting, football operations guy. You know, I, I just I don't know. Yeah. So, like, it's, it's it's pretty much impossible from an outside point of view, as it like from a fan's perspective, to, to know anything about any general manager hire. We made Monty Austin Ford. Or Austin Ford. OK, Austin Ford. OK, yeah, I, I would have never remembered that. <laughs> um so like i know we like to try to to make opinion everybody likes to have opinions on everything so we try to we get the best information we can and we make an opinion out of it but the best information we have for an assistant front office person is what the team has done while they work for them but we have no way to know like how much of their input affected those decisions and like it it, it it makes the assumption that every organization is a monolith. So like if John Schneider picks this person in the draft, that means that Scott Fitterer also wanted that person in the draft. And that might not be true. And the same thing with like other player acquisitions and stuff. So really the best we can like really make the best we can really judge this is to be like Scott Fitterer, basically what you just said for his bow. He worked for the Seahawks for a long time. The Seahawks have been good. He probably, he knows what he's doing. At this likelihood, he at the very least contributed to a team that's been good long term. So he has that experience. I don't think you can have a strong opinion either way, in either direction beyond that. Uh, he came from a good organization, so that's probably a good thing. John, you took the words right out of my mouth as far good. as he as far as he went. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I've seen attributed to Fitterer 
is the Legion of Boom. And yeah, yeah pretty much. I mean, like, <clears throat> I mean, we have our very own, you know, case study here in Carolina when back in 2000, what was it, 2003, when Marty Herney wanted to take Quentin Jammer and uh, Jerry Rich said, no, you're taking Julius Peppers, which turned out to be the <laughs> best decision. Is Jerry Rich like, a better general manager than Marty Herney? The question needs to be asked. Yeah, exactly. I mean- <laughs> and and no no disrespect to Quentin Jammer, he's he's actually really good. And a lot of I would say at least seventy percent of the time, taking Quentin Jammer would have probably been the right call. But you know, Julius Peppers is Julius Peppers. So, I mean, Quentin Jammer at one point in his career was uh, rated as a jamming corner in Madden, oh my God. and uh, his last <laughs> name is Jammer. So clearly, yeah. that was the correct decision. Um, it's always a good boost. A player always gets like a plus five boost to their evaluation if their name is very appropriate for their position like yes, the lions exactly. have deandre swift and carry on johnson as their running backs like that's great yep. those are great names for running backs but ultimately um it's hard to figure out from a fan's perspective who to attribute a draft to yeah and i've seen people say that because of the fact that, that Fitterer is the GM that all of a sudden Carolina is going to go after, you know, the, ne- the the next Richard Sherman type cornerback where they're, they're tall, they're, they're strong, they're not overly fast, but you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like for all we yeah. know, Fitterer had no, nothing to do with that pick, especially since Sherman was what a fifth round pick. Like, yeah, all of the Legion of Boom, except for Earl Thomas was a late, was just like late round picks in uh, UDFAs. Yeah, you're just yeah. throwing darts at the dartboard, essentially. Like, which you know, that that is that is a positive on Fitterer's part because, at least in his department, they scouted out some pretty good players. So that's good. But I yeah. don't think that I don't think that you can really like look at Fitterer and decide what his drafting philosophy is going to be for Carolina, especially since this team has so many needs right now that need to be addressed. I mean, for all we know, he'll take Dante Jackson 2.0 and we'll just have two fucking fast as shit corners on the, on the, on the yeah. each side. Like it's, yeah. it's I mean, for me, for me, it's just a matter of that Fitterer was a part of an organization that was very successful over the last 10 years. Um, they're still successful. Even, even after they paid Russell Wilson a fuck ton of money, they were still successful. So, that does attribute to the team building talent, but I wouldn't go as far as trying to project his drafting ability based on that. When you know there's like you know 15 to 20 different heads that are in that conversation. Yeah, let's let's look. Okay, these are some of the picks they've made, uh, and these are just you know notable names. I'm not going to go through the entire draft history of 20 years, but um, we've already talked about the Legion of Boom, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas. Um, Richard Sherman. They also drafted Russell Okung. Of course, that's a left tackle at number six overall. That's not a hard choice to make. Uh, they found Russell Wilson in the third round, uh, Bobby Wagner in the second round, Tyler Lockett, Frank Clark, and DK Metcalf all in the second round. Um, but like we've said, uh, did John Schneider make those picks? Did um, did John Fitterer say, hey, we need to draft Jimmy Clausen? And they said, no, we'll wait a couple of years. And then they got Russell Wilson or did um, 
did John Schneider say, hey, let's draft Jimmy Clausen? And Scott Fitterer said, no, this guy is a bum. You know, we, we just don't know. Um, yeah. They like to trade down. Um, that's one of the Ooh. hallmarks of, of Seattle's draft philosophy. You're getting uh, went, to what I was going to say next, so finish that up. and I'll Yeah, they, went, they went three straight years without a first-round pick. Um, I don't know if – I, I don't know if Scott Fitterer makes that call. I don't know if it's a group decision. I, you know, I just don't know. But they're big on maximizing how many darts they get to throw at the dartboard. That is the draft, which is probably a good philosophy to have. And, I mean, the evidence is there. They're, they're a good franchise, whether you like them or hate them. Um, they're, they're good. I mean, they've been in the playoffs consistently. Uh for the last decade and they're going to continue to be um well maybe they're maybe not maybe they're gonna suck now you know maybe we <laughs> maybe we took the guy we we just don't yeah. know so to your point about trading down <clears throat> i wrote a thing for for the old cat scratch reader.com in 2018 which i was basically summarizing a piece <clears throat> from 538 and i guess i should preface this with a trigger warning this is math adjacent so <laughs> If, okay, uh, here we go. <laughs> Curtis Samuel Hayden coming. Um, actually, no. So basically, five thirty eight did this study where they took uh, they took the AV, which is in Pro Football Reference, is just a number. It's not like tried and true, super accurate, but it's a good gauge of like, is this can player you, good? Can AV you repeat is high. What you just said? Can you repeat okay. what you just said? You add a little bit. So Pro Football Reference has a stat called uh. AV, I think it's annual value or adjusted value. It doesn't matter. Adjusted just, value, I think. Adjusted mean. value is, yeah. And it's just a number that gets higher the better a player is. And it's not like super, it's not good for like one to one comparisons, but it's good for the purpose of this as an aggregator of data. It's anyway. kind of like if you're a baseball fan, it's kind of like war. Yeah. Like it, if, if the number is high, the player is good. If the number is mm-hmm. low, the player is probably not good, basically. Yeah. It's just it's, not a counting stat like war is, but. Yeah, it's accurate enough for this purpose of just in general, higher is better and lower is worse. So they anyway, they took like each team and like their ability to get steals or to draft poorly in each draft based on the player's eventual AV. And if you look at the scatter plot, it is just a clump of dots in the middle. Like there is no team that drafts well or poorly over like year over year. It just all kind of ends up coming out in the wash. That makes sense now, because for every team, every team that nails it, there's a team that absolutely blows it. Yeah, and so like, you know, it, I, I, I believe that. So, so here's the other thing with that too is that people are going to find examples of teams that are bad drafting and teams that are good at drafting. Well, again, this is math in a in a sample size of 32. When you give things that are random, like if I flip a coin five times in a row and I do that for like 32 separate trials. One of those 32 trials, like, it's going to land heads five times in a row just because it's bound to happen, right? So given that sample of 32 teams, one of them is bound to just get lucky multiple times in a row, and that makes them a good drafter, quote-unquote. But really, they're just <laughs> lucky. Um, obviously, you can kind of skew this in one direction or the other a little bit, but for the most part, it's, it's chance. So, like, basing how smart of a general manager we have based on their draft success isn't super useful. But what is useful, to your point, is looking at their process, because we're process-oriented people here, right? So yes. Matt Rule taught us. 
And process says that higher picks are overvalued and lower picks are undervalued. And because of what I just said about everybody sucks at drafting, uh, the more picks, the better, because you're more likely to get good players, the more chances you take. So the, the mantra of trading down for as many picks as possible is the way to go, which is kind of the opposite of what we had before for multiple iterations, multiple generations of general manager. And that's a good thing. He also has different scouts here too. So the other, the other point I'd like to bring up too is um, you can definitely give them credit for finding Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, the other Legion of Boom members. I mean, Bobby Wagner in the second round, but ultimately if your scouting department believes that that player is going to be an elite starter, you wouldn't be drafting them where they're at. Yeah. So that's what it really comes down to is being able to evaluate talent and deciding what their ceiling is. And that's kind of what you do in the later rounds of the draft. Like, what do you think this player's ceiling is? Like in the first, second round or so, you're looking at what this player's floor is as more so than what their ceiling is. So if you want to attribute those draft picks to Fitterer. It's not as much that he found out that those players were elite talents and got them at, you know, really prime draft area. It's more so that they were able to evaluate those talents and believe that they could be much better than their draft space. So I wouldn't look at it. Metcalf is a prime example of that. Um, Yeah. Because he got ragged on at the combine because his three cone drill was bad. And, you know, that's one drill at the combine. Well, the Seahawks looked at it and they're like, well, we just won't have him run routes that requires him to cut. We'll just put him out there wide and let him run a nine route and loft it over the top and let him use his size to win. And he's one of the better receivers in the league now because they saw that when nobody else did. And they got a first round wide receiver at um, number 64 overall in the second round. Uh, I mean, that's towards the bottom of the second round. So, you know, that, uh, that kind of process and thought is something that we've never had in Carolina. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing if how much of it was fitter. And I'm hoping that a lot of it was. The other thing to Brian's point, uh, you can't really give general managers credit for drafting steals later in drafts because that means they didn't know that they were going to be good either. Because yeah, like they, the, just, the DK, they just went ahead and picked them. Well, because DK Metcalf, to your point, they picked, he was the third player they drafted. Like, if they knew that DK Metcalf was so good, why did they draft LJ Collier and Marquise Blair before they drafted DJ, DK Metcalf? Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where, it, like, it looks good. Like, oh, look at how smart they were to draft DK Metcalf so late. But then if you kind of think through it, it's like if they thought he was – if they actually thought he was going to be this good, they wouldn't have waited so long either. So it's just – that's kind of the – again, back to the whole nobody knows what they're doing. We just like to pretend that we do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same point to Russell Wilson. I mean, if, if yeah. they knew what kind of quarterback Russell Wilson would have been, he would not have lasted until the third round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in a redraft, he's a top five pick every single time. Oh, yeah. If not the first. If not the first, yeah, depending on who else is in the draft with him. If, if Andrew Luck doesn't retire, he maybe goes first. If, if you know in advance that he doesn't retire, but yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that really the hope here is just to get that kind of uh, process down and just draft players that you think have higher ceilings with uh, lower floors. Um, 
Obviously, Marty Herney wasn't super great at that, but their last draft was pretty good. So we'll see what happens here. But yeah, but see, the thing is, I think Matt Rule was was most of the reason our last draft was so good. <laughs> and that's the that's the other point is that you once again you don't know who actually made those decisions. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just looking forward to after the draft is over, no matter who we choose, when the reporters get in the room with with Fitterer and Rule and they say, hey, why did you do this? That there's going to be an answer that isn't something like, oh, I don't know. We just did it. Or, you know, we we just, we liked it. I, I'm hoping that we'll finally get a, well, we, we did this because of this. And, you know, because here is the, the statistical backing to our idea and here's the process in which we do things instead of just Marty looking at the camera, like a, a doofus <laughs> and shrugging his shoulders, like, and, you know, asking when is lunch or whatever. Um, so when are, the, when are the meatballs being when served? Are the meatballs <laughs> being served? Yeah. In hindsight, knowing that Marty Herney in, and Tepper have, uh, and Rule all have, like, Marty Herney differs significantly from Rule and Tepper in their uh, philosophical views of things. I just like now the visual of, hey, feed Marty meatballs so we don't have, so he's not involved in this conversation. Like, keep him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I legitimately believe that Marty Herney is the reason we drafted Derek Brown mm. because Matt Rule wanted to trade down. Yeah. Which is and- the correct answer. Which is the correct answer. I love Derek Brown, but we should have traded down. Yeah. And, but Marty Herney was then promptly sent to the, the cafeteria with a gigantic plate of meatballs and Matt <laughs> Rule handled the rest of the draft. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Marty. You got your first round pick. We know that you're good with first round picks. Now go to the cafeteria and you'll <laughs> eat some meatballs. Just do that. Yeah. For the next 74 hours. Until we let you go to Washington. <laughs> That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But he's not going to be their general manager. No, he's not. I'm that. That's that whole thing's really weird. Brad said this. You said this before the show, where it's like, gonna they get like bullied into not? Because I never even because I didn't know they even like interviewed anybody else. Uh, they. Oh, he interviewed they, interviewed, they interviewed two people last week. I can't remember who they were now. Um, but yeah, when, when the report came out that they were interviewing Marty Herney, I'm like, well, surprise, surprise, you know, <laughs> guess who won the pony. I mean, guess who's getting the job. I mean, there's no, no going back now. Ron is going to get his guys, damn it, no matter what. And, you know, now they're saying Martin Mayhew is going to be the general manager and, Marty Herney is going to be there in some capacity, like senior vice president of operations or something like that. So where maybe he can do even just, more damage, he'll have even more power. Maybe they'll just both sign off on things as Marty. And then you don't really know whose fault it was. And see, if I'm Herney, that's the perfect, I would change my name to Martin <laughs> like now. And then you can say, I don't know. It wasn't me. <laughs> they just both sign off with their first names on things and then you don't really know who it was and you never know who it was that's that's actually a genius idea i so, will say i think that real quick i i real i do think that marty in a more of a 
back office type of role is not a bad decision. Um, just based on his experience. So I, I would have really chastised it if they actually like hired him as their GM. Um, but him being in more of a back office type role where he, maybe he can lend his uh, experience to, I don't know, like whatever the hell GMs do. <laughs> um, I think that that's not a bad move at all for them. So here's the funny thing. So we, we joke a lot about Ron Rivera. Um, and it's so it's, it almost sounds like they're just, Hey, Ron wants to hire Marty. We don't have anywhere to put him, so I guess we'll just like make up a job for him. <laughs> that also um, could be true. Yeah. Which, he's, like, I mean, yeah. he's like the dipshit son-in-law that, <laughs> yeah. that can't get a real job anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But here's the other part. Um, they just kind of throw through this into the uh, ESPN report. Um, Mayhew and Ron Rivera share the same agent. No. Yeah. <laughs> How so, many, you told us this in the Slack chat, and I'm going to test your memory. How many former coaches that worked with Ron Rivera are currently with the Washington football team? I think it was ten. Yeah, and then it was, and then also three front, and then like also the Ryan Vermillion, the trainer, and then I think three other front office and scout people. So was basically, what, what happened was all of the people that worked with Ron Rivera when they were here in Carolina, they all just took a a van together (laughs) and drove to Washington, DC. Yep. I mean, that's, that's what happened. And Ron Rivera is driving the bus and Ron is driving the (laughs) bus and they went seven and nine, won the division, went to the playoffs with Taylor Heineke at quarterback (laughs) Marty Herney is going to be in a position of power. They're going to give Taylor Heineke a three to four year contract and be saddled with Taylor Heineke based off of one playoff game. And the cycle is just going to repeat itself. I don't think Taylor Heineke's contract like that. They'll probably go into next season with him as their expected starter. He will be the guy during training camp. He will be the guy. It'll be his job to lose. Some old dude, I guess. But that's fine. But that's the Matt. That's the Matt Moore role. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I just don't see it going that way at all. (laughs) Either way, this isn't a Washington podcast. It's just a chance for us to laugh at the fact that uh, it's the, 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 the friendship, the connections if you want a job with Ron Rivera, just know him. You don't have just to have to be like him. good or anything. <laughs> not the Washington, the Washington nepotists. That's what it's, they are. Yeah, and not that Mayhew is bad as like is unqualified for the job because he's has a pretty extensive front like front office resume, and he's been oh he's been a general manager before. Wasn't he um, a general manager of the Lions for a long time? Which I guess is you could say is not a great thing, yeah. but because um, <laughs> he was the general manager for the Lions between 2015 and 2018 which is not exactly the peak of the Lions franchise. I don't think but, they've ever really peaked, but that's No, fine. but I mean, that the, the first season of that was 0-2. I guess they had two playoff seasons in there. Sure. Yeah, yeah he, was the, he was the GM when Jim Caldwell was the head coach. Yeah, yeah, he, he would have been there to hire Jim Caldwell. But he's answering to Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is the head honcho there, which... <laughs> 
I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me for the general manager to answer the head coach. I almost think that structure makes more sense than the. I think it does uh, too. In, the inverse. The the head coach is the one that that coaches the players on the field, so he should be the one that gets the players he wants. Yeah. The general manager should be the one that makes the contracts work. Yeah, that's kind of what it said in the the, the hiring of Mayhew was like, uh, someone who could handle the administrative duties, because Ron Rivera's got the final say in personnel. Yeah, that that should be the way it goes for all coaches. Yeah, yeah, I know people are like, uh, I think people kind of said that kind of uh, hesitantly about Rule being in charge of roster decisions, and the same thing here. But I think it's different than the tradition, but I think it's kind of silly to be like. Uh, you take what the general manager gives you and you make it work. And it's like, well, I feel like it's the opposite where if you have a coach that you believe in, you should want them. You you should like, they should be the ones that have say in who they want. Yeah. On the these field. are the guys I sense. want. Give me the cap space to make it happen. Yeah. Or this is the kind of player that I want. And like the general manager says, Hey, you have to coach these guys. Are you okay with this guy? Or like or yeah. stuff like that. As opposed to the opposite of like, Hey, I don't like this guy on our team. Can you please cut him? Sir, and they're like, no. Type of, you know, type yeah. of deal. Speaking of having say in your uh, in your personnel decisions, how about Deshaun Watson? That's not as good of a segue. That's not as good of a segue, <laughs> but it is a good segue, but just not as good as John's. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Yes. I do have a Fitterer thing, because Fitterer traded for Jamal Adams. He's involved in the Seahawks front office, the Seahawks front office. Made a big trade for Jamal Adams. I'm telling you, I don't know if Houston will actually trade Deshaun Watson because they they would be idiots if they did. But it is Houston. But it is Houston. A, B. If Deshaun Watson is the one asking for the trade, then you at least have to give it consideration because you do not want an unhappy quarterback mm-hmm. because then that turns into an unhappy team. Yeah. And if if you're a new general manager. There's no better way to make a statement than to immediately come in and get a franchise quarterback that's still in his prime. Yeah. And I guess so, we can just ask the question, what would you trade for Deshaun Watson? And I will make this easy for the both of you. I will go ahead and give you my answer. Whatever uh, in the hell Houston asks <laughs> for. Basically. Literally, I would trade them whatever they want. You could name a player, a draft pick, or a combination of the two, and I would agree. I think from a team-building perspective, that's the way to go. I just, like, from a Panthers fan perspective, like, I want to keep the players that we have that I like. No, I I absolutely (laughs) agree. Now, there there are two sides to that coin. Yeah. The fan in me, I don't want to trade Brian Burns. I don't want to trade Jeremy Chin. I don't want to trade DJ Moore. I don't want to trade Christian McCaffrey. You listed the four I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to trade those guys. But if Houston asks for any combination of them, I would do it. You don't get the opportunity to get bona fide franchise quarterbacks at 25 years old, still in their prime, under a reasonable contract in the first year, he would only count like ten and a half million dollars against our salary cap this mm. year. Now, next year they'd have to do an extension because his his cap number jumps to like thirty five million. They would have to figure out a way around that, but they could do it. You don't get that opportunity. This is like a young Aaron Rodgers or a a young um, 
Drew Brees or Tom Brady when they were in, you know, in their prime. Deshaun Watson is the probably third best quarterback in the NFL right now. In Houston, where he has no help, they traded away his best receiver for a bag of potato chips and a running back, (laughs) and he still led the league in passing yards. So with the offensive line that Houston has. And it wasn't so, passing yards either. It was like yards per attempt and everything. Like it wasn't yeah, like he I mean, was he, just he was racking elite. up sixty. Yeah. Yeah, he was elite. It's a shame that Houston couldn't win because the rest of their team is a disaster. But I don't care what Houston asks for. I don't care. I, I don't care. I would do it. Three first rounders, a first rounder plus Teddy Bridgewater plus Christian McCaffrey plus Brian Burns. I would make that trade. I would do it <laughs> ten times out of ten. And I love Brian Burns and Christian McCaffrey. I couldn't give two shits about Teddy Bridgewater, but I, that's mean. I shouldn't say that. Uh, he's a nice, <laughs> he, he's a nice guy. Uh, but you do what you have to do. Quarterback is the most important position on the field. You've got a franchise guy for a decade or more. You go out and get him. And he would also be revered and treated like a god because he played at Clemson. And half of our fan base already loves the guy anyway. The Deshaun Watson Panthers jersey would instantly sell out on NFL.com. Hell, I would buy one, and I hate Clemson. So (laughs) that you just you have to do it. If you get the opportunity, you have to do it. And Watson is one of the possibilities, and. Speaking of GMs, their situation's a mess. Um, that's the whole reason we're in this position to begin with, because they hired a GM that was friends with their whatever Jack Easterby is. He just hired his buddy instead of yeah, spiritual advisor or whatever. Yeah, 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 the guys, just, if you guys haven't read it about the Jack Easterby issue, the Texans are having. Look up Jack Easterby Sports Illustrated, and it's really crazy. He's basically gone from. Uh, team chaplain for the Patriots to like de facto general manager for the Texans in not very long anyway oh and and in that story it will it will probably scare you as much as it scared me there's one line in that whole story (laughs) that scared the shit out of me oh yeah 2018 he talked to david tepper yeah yeah so we dodged we dodged (laughs) a bullet like we almost ended up being houston yeah um but anyway i think fitterer i i would be so, like, with all the talk we just said about trading down and stuff, I'd be very surprised if we go into the – if we come out of the 2020 draft and we've not – and we've picked eighth or lower. I would expect us to either trade for Watson or try, or something like that or try to move up to draft a quarterback. I just – I think yeah. that seems to be the next logical step for this team because while – Eighth isn't eighth. We're in eighth, right? I'm now, now I'm yeah, doubting myself. Eighth. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we can still get a quarterback, but we yeah. need help. Like we need, we need Atlanta and Detroit to not take quarterbacks, and I'm yeah. pretty sure Detroit's going to. Yeah, and both of them also have new coaches and stuff, so that's always increases the likelihood that they'll want to attach, you know, hitch their wagon to a new quarterback instead of somebody that's on the backside of their career. But it's it seems to be the next logical step because it's a young team and you would like to expect that the Panthers will improve going forward. And if they don't and they don't have a quarterback though, like that's kind of the last step. And if they don't get one now, it's going to become ex- significantly more difficult to get one in the future. 
unless you just want to keep signing stop gaps. But like to upgrade either with a young quarterback, either in the draft or with Sean Watson, like this is the time to do it. So, and Fitter is like we said, the C- he came from an organization that did stuff like that. So I, I don't think it's off the table. I don't really know what the asking rate is because it's the Texans and because he's disgruntled. And when just when stars are openly disgruntled, it drives their price down a lot. So we'll we'll see. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Deshaun Watson has not been very shy about uh, voicing his displeasure for what's going on. So that's that's good good for us. And the Panthers are the betting favorites. The last I saw to land Deshaun yeah, Watson. Yeah, we're we're at also- plus six hundred odds to to get him. And I'm gonna pull up the 2022 quarterback prospect class just to give you um some perspective here. We have yeah. to get a quarterback this year. <laughs> um, Kadon Slovis from USC, Sam oh, Howell, Keaton, Keaton Slovis, Keaton Slovis. I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. Sam Howell from North Carolina, Tyler um, Shaw from Oregon, and Tanner Morgan from Minnesota are the best quarterbacks in next year's draft class. All of the good, you, all of the quote unquote good ones. They all declared early. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, they're all in this draft. So the only one of them I have even seen play is the kid from Oregon. Yeah, it's this this quarterback class. Like and yeah, to the point I was just making where the Panthers need to get a quarterback. This is like a really good looking quarterback class. And these things never really age well, but right now it looks like this is one of the best quarterback classes in a really, really long time. Yes. And so the other, the other thing about it that, that works in Carolina's favor is that they don't need to draft a guy and have him start like right away mm-hmm. because they, yeah. they're still, they're still stuck with Bridgewater next year for the most part. Um, yeah. Unless they trade him away. Yeah. We can draft. Uh, I'm just going to use Trey Lance as the example, because I think he's the most realistic draft target at eight. Uh, but we can draft Trey Lance and let him sit behind Teddy Bridgewater in, in 2021 and then get another top 10 pick in 2022 because we're not going to win very many games with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, we're just not. But we, like Brian just pointed out, we don't have to, th- to um, um, throw him to the wolves. We, we don't have to do that. I mean – It'd be nice to just do it, just you know, throw him out there and see what he's got, but we don't have to. And I do think, uh, John, to your point, I do think we will make a trade. I don't think we're going to pick eighth at all. I don't think we will. Um, if the board falls where uh, Trevor Lawrence is going number one, like let's just that's that's 100 <laughs> percent. There's a point zero zero one percent chance that Urban Meyer wants Justin Fields but it's unlikely he did not coach him. So it, it's, it's unlikely, but uh, Trevor Lawrence is going number one. And then either Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance is going number two, unless and it's the probably Jets, the first two. Yeah. And it's probably Justin Fields, unless the jets decide they want to build around. Um, what's his face? Lego fireman, um, Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> his name slipped my mind. Uh, he like, does look like a Lego fireman. He does, but that was just a really <laughs> funny way that you like couldn't think of his name, but you could think of the yeah. uh, the children's toy that he looks like. Yeah, but anyway, um, 
they might decide they want to build around him because I think I think he's going to be a night and day difference when he's now away from Adam Gase. But you know, they might draft the um, the left tackle Sewell. Uh, but I, I don't think that Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance are all there at eighth, and there's a chance that none of them are there. And if yeah. none of them are there, they'll they'll probably trade down because there's no reason to take a linebacker at number eight overall. Mm. I know a lot of people like Micah Parsons because he's a linebacker and we need a linebacker, but you you can probably get him at like 12 or 15 or somewhere in there and add a second rounder. So I, I don't think we're going to pick eighth. I, I think it's like you said, there's a chance we trade up. Uh, we try to, we might trade with the jets. We might trade up and um, take a quarterback at number two. It's entirely possible. I think the target is Miami at three. Yeah. They don't need the third pick. Yeah. That's like, yeah, they so only they, have it because Bill O'Brien is a dummy. Like that, that's the only that, reason they have the pick. That, that is so funny to me too. Just like looking back, like the, like Bill O'Brien traded that pick away and, Last year, the the Dolphins got Tua, and then now they're in a position to get another top quarterback because Bill O'Brien was a fucking idiot. The, the my favorite situation of this, which I don't think can happen, just because the optics of it would like the Texans would implode. But it's the Dolphins want Deshaun Watson. It's like, oh, they have the third pick; they can get that up for Deshaun Watson. It's like, yeah, but that's actually actually the Texans' pick. God, I, I and if, if the Texans... we're not going to get Deshaun, I want Miami to just so Houston trades trades Deshaun for the pick they originally had yes because I would love that I I want that to happen (laughs) the Texans traded Deshaun Watson for a left tackle and wide receiver for to protect Deshaun Watson yeah and yes I that's that's option two if we can't get Deshaun Watson it's the Texans get him for their own pick just and if I'm the Dolphins I don't even ask for anything else I just like to be able to rub that in their face for the rest of eternity um But yeah, the Dolphins aren't going to take another quarterback, even though like word on the streets is two is not great. Yeah, um, they're trying to they're trying to stir up controversy because the the top two or three are like dead set in stone almost. Yeah, like the only the only suspense is because the Jets have the number two pick and they're yeah. the Jets. Yeah, and they have Darnold, who's like maybe and they have Darnold, good. who is young, and their coach was so bad. Their coach was so inept that people were like, maybe he actually doesn't suck. But I think. You try the target is quarterback, um, and try to convince them on eighth and another whatever else you need to give them, uh, and then you take one of Fields or Wilson, and yeah. be cool with that. So that's I think for me, and, and to me, it, it's it's hard to say. Um, I'm huge on Zach Wilson. I forgot to reply to the little roundtable, but that's who that, I would have answered. Okay. Zach, Zach Wilson would have been my choice for those who were wondering where I was on that. Um, and so, like, I part of me likes the idea of the lower cost of trading from eight to three and picking a quarterback. Um, so, like, it's kind of a you know pros and cons. Less cost, but there's more of a risk to it. So, but I would be very happy with with that to root for. And I'm very I'm pretty confident that Fields and Wilson are both going to be good because of the way they they play. They have, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's a I think all four quarterbacks. I think we're going to have another. Um, <sighs> Like, I don't want to be too old with my reference, but I think we're going to have another class of 83 where you had John Elway, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino. Like, I think we're going to have that with this draft class. I think we're going to have four 
superstar quarterbacks. There's which a more recent one you could have gone with. I can't remember the year, but the one with Roethlisberger, Rivers, and Manning. Yeah, that I can't remember the year. Well, yeah. Brad, Brad's old, so he yeah. had to go with the one from yeah. before he was born, but still. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was actually alive. In oh, you were alive. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. we, we weren't, life. John. We weren't, but he was. He <laughs> I, I, was I was a child. Um, I remember. I, re- I was I was three. I remember that draft very well. Yeah, exactly. Um, what year was that with Eli? Was that 2010? No, it wasn't that recent. Or, no, that was not. Yeah, they're all, they're all old. Yeah. I'm trying or, to find what, it. 20, it's like 2005? Four, I think it's four. four yeah, 2004. Four. Eli okay. Manning, Philip Rivers, top eleven. Ooh, here's a trivia question that I don't know the answer to, and I'm trying to find who was the next quarterback taken because it went a long time without a quarterback after that. After Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, in 2004, yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to pretend to know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Aaron Brooks. Ooh. Nope, JP Lossman. Wow. Oh, shit. J.P. Lossman. <laughs> I forgot about him. Wow. That didn't quite live up to the rest of the Was he like class. the fifth round or something? No, it was in the first. I missed him when I was scrolling through. He was the 22nd pick by the Bills. Oh, okay. And then I re- Matt Shaw. I, I only remember J.P. Lossman because in my first season of fantasy, I had to sub him out for Trent Edwards. <laughs> Damn. What a, what a pair of names there. Yeah, well, I didn't know fantasy that well. I was like nine. Clearly. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Matt Schaub was good too. Seth- Matt Schaub was Matt Schaub was still playing for the Falcons last year. Yeah, fact. we'll we'll use 20, 20, 2004 as the example. Fine, we'll use the more. <laughs> example. Um, but I mean, I do think we're gonna have four really good quarterbacks, and it's good for the league because uh, Drew Brees is gonna probably retire. Uh, Tom Brady is only got one or two years left. Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan are getting up there in age. Ben Roethlisberger is done. Uh, he may not retire, but he's done. So we need like we need a reboot. So we need. Oh, Philip Rivers retired uh, yeah. the other day. So sure did. I mean, you know, we need we we need four more good quarterbacks and i think we're going to get them hopefully the panthers are able to get one of them yeah so but i, I still I'm say not... just trade everything for deshaun that's what we should do <laughs> that's your number 1 yeah i mean that's what i would rather do i mean hell even if we have to just give them our entire draft i would rather do that and have the day oh. off, have the weekend off the old uh, Ricky Williams. Yeah, the old Ricky Williams. I mean, you can get, you know, you can get uh, offensive linemen in undrafted free agents. You can find them in free agency. You know, our our offensive line, if they're healthy, they're not that terrible. They're not as bad as Houston's. No. So, I mean, and Deshaun led the league in passing under that disaster. So, I mean, I, I, I we win – at least 10 games with our current roster. If you just put Deshaun Watson in instead of Teddy Bridgewater. My only worry with the whole trading away a ton of draft capital with getting Deshaun Watson is that he ends up in like an RG three or Carson Wentz situation where that is a very, that is a valid concern. I, I will give you that. I mean, he could, he could roll out of bed the wrong way and never be the same. 
I mean, well, it's not even just that. It's that these teams traded so much of their future draft capital that it was hard to build around him for the long term. Like, granted, Carson Wentz managed to come around and quote unquote win a Super Bowl when in reality Nick Foles won it. But now look at the Eagles. Like they're they're in fucking shambles. But um, to be fair, we don't really need that much to build around for Deshaun Watson. I mean, we've yeah. got we've got offensive skill players. We just need offensive line depth and a defense. Uh, we need a well, defense. Is, the defense the, is promising too because and the just, defense is, is very promising. young. I mean, we need we're going to need to replace Curtis Samuel. We're going to need to replace Taylor Moten, which we can franchise tag Taylor Moten, which is what we should do. We need the, to prioritize him. On the but offensive DJ line, Moore, you know, DJ Moore's young. <laughs> um, go ahead, Brian. On the offensive line, you also need to replace your left tackle, your left guard, and your right guard going into this season. Yeah, Counterpoint, you can do that. Every single, like, not every single team. I think of the 32 teams, I would bet, I would bet you that 27, 28, like, if you were to pull their fans, say that their team's offensive line is bad and they need to replace, like, all of it. Because that's just well, kind of the nature of the NFL. But- I, I get what you're saying, John, but I'm I'm saying they literally need to replace those guys because all of them are on were on one year contracts. Um, Trent Scott was a, a restricted free agent. He'll be easy enough to bring back, and he was actually pretty decent. Okay, all right. The left tackle position only turned to shit when he got hurt, and we had to play Michael Schofield, like or, or Schofield, however he pronounces it. But well, if if you believe in Trent Scott as a 16 game starter at left tackle, then fine. I will just like, I don't believe in him as a left tackle start. I just, I'm not, it's not as dire as some people want to make it out. Like we've still got Greg little. I know he's not the greatest player, but he does exist. And theoretically, at least Um, (laughs) theoretically exists. We have, we have Tyler Larson, (laughs) Tyler Larson still on the roster. Uh, yeah, but so, I mean, I he's, think a, he, he's a I think guard. He might, I think he might be a free agent this year. Okay. Yeah, he probably is. Um, everybody else is, um, that's, that's the whole problem with me is like, yeah. Like if we get Sean Watson, great. We got Robbie Anderson. We got DJ Moore. We like those two guys are locked in for the most part, but we got no fucking tight ends. We got no, we fucking- do need a tight end. That is, and that's, I really hate that we need a quarterback because this is the perfect draft to just go get Kyle Pitts at number eight. Um, Cause that dude's going to be a, an elite. He's like the next Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Gronk tight end. Kyle Pitts is the next one. But the other issue here is that the only positions that I know for a fact are locked in is Matt Paradis's center and I guess Trent Scott at left guard, at left tackle. And Dennis Daly, if you think he's going to be healthy and if you think he's actually a good left guard, I guess he's locked in at left guard. Like <laughs> that like See, it's not as bad as you think. And then I don't we can re-sign Moten. We could re-sign we can. We can franchise Moten. We can if we can't get a long-term deal, we can franchise him and then try to get a long-term deal. But if we bring in but if we bring in Deshaun Watson, we got to take on a lot of cap. We no, we don't. Gotta, no, no, Brad's still, already covered that. It's less cap than Teddy Bridge. We'd have to get rid of we Teddy would Bridgewater. Have to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater in a trade. Yeah. To get Deshaun Watson. But it could be done. Um 
Deshaun's cap hit for us, if we trade for him, is 10 and a half ish, somewhere in there, million. It's not that much as it is for Houston, because when you trade a player, the tr- the team that trades a player immediately they have to count the the bonus money on their cap. The team that trades for the player only has to count the guaranteed money. And this year, Deshaun Watson's guaranteed money is ten and a half, eleven million dollars. His bonus is I think five point six million. So that's what Houston would have to eat. If if Houston trades him. They have to eat $21 million. They can pre or post June 1st that and then split it. But that's all they have to eat if they trade him. Now, if they cut him, it's like $60 million <laughs> um, because of the way all that works. But The accelerated cap. The accelerated itself. cap. But when you trade a player, that doesn't happen. So we can afford salary cap-wise because we can we can make moves. Like we can trade or release KK short. We can trade Teddy Bridgewater. We can not re-sign Taylor Moten and Curtis Samuel, which I think we should re-sign Taylor Moten. Um, that's a non-starter for me. Taylor Moten has to return. Curtis Samuel, I like Curtis Samuel, but he's a luxury and somebody's going to overpay him anyway. Um, but probably the Jaguars because now they have Urban Meyer. Um <laughs> You know, but I, I just there are ways to make a salary cap work into your favor. Just look at the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints have been ninety million dollars ahead of the cap since Drew Brees was like twelve years old, and they still manage to get under the cap every year. Now, granted, the the bill is going to come due. You can only kick the can down the road for so far, so many years. Oh, we've been saying that for years. <laughs> but we've been saying that since at least 2012. So when, and I'm not talking about you, Brian, but when you tell me we can't afford Deshaun Watson, you're wrong. We can. It's I mean, whether, I, not, I, it's whether I, or not we choose to. I now, guess I can see what you're saying because. To, but we can. Everything can be done. I can see where you're saying because I did look up the uh, contract numbers for Bridgewater, and uh, if they chose to trade him pre June first, they would incur a ten million dollar cap hit. Um, yeah, they save ten million dollars because it's twenty million if we keep him on the roster. Oh no, they save thirteen million dollars. Oh yeah, thirteen. That's right. I, I yeah. keep getting the two numbers mixed up. It's twenty three if he stays on the roster, and twenty if we cut him. Mm. Yeah, his dead they... cap is twenty million. If they manage to find a trading partner, it's ten million. I was under the impression that most of that would be gone if they traded him. So that's my bad. I'll, I'll admit to that. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess Deshaun Watson is affordable. But to go back to my previous point, I just the only thing that worries me is putting Deshaun Watson in a situation where you've traded away so much draft capital that he's just in another situation that he was in where you can't really surround him with weapons. So that's, that's kind of my only concern there. Yeah. That said, I, I'm gonna, I don't think you even have I'm to, gonna, trade, I don't think you would have to trade our entire draft. I think you could get it because his value is going to keep going down the longer he is unhappy. Uh, and it's going to get to a point where Houston is going to have to trade him 
And then we can say, hey, we'll give you Teddy Bridgewater, the number eight overall pick and next year's first rounder. And that'll get it done. And if they don't make that trade, then Scott Fitterer should be run out of town. And that's, <laughs> I think, I think that's the only real scenario where Carolina can then build a, uh, build a good contender because then they won't granted, they won't have that draft capital, but they'll at least have the cap space to try and build around him a little bit. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm more than fine if they don't, and, and Deshaun has a no trade clause too. So Deshaun Watson can say, I don't want to go there. I want to go to Miami. Cause he does want to go to Miami and he could, he could just say, no, I don't want to go back to the Carolinas. That, that time is over, whatever, you know, fuck Matt rule, whatever he wants to say. I mean, he can say whatever he wants, but I, I if we're not going to trade for Deshaun, then I want to draft a quarterback at number whatever we do in the first round and then pick, throw every single pick the rest of the draft at offensive linemen. Just do like <laughs> we did last year with defensive players and just draft the shit out of some offensive linemen and as many darts as you can throw at the dartboard, surely to God we'll find at least a guard out of it, if nothing else. <laughs> I mean, I we've got to build depth. And that's the best the best thing you can do for a rookie quarterback is give him an offensive line. I'd also like a safety. But you like Trey Boston. Yeah, but we've got Trey Boston, number one PFF graded safety. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was he really? I think he was like two years ago, and then Brian like made that his mantra. <laughs> I never said that, but. I I legitimately think he was our number one defender, like in twenty. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Um, no, I, I misinterpreted what you said. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, he definitely was. Um. Oh, like for the Panthers. In two thousand eighteen, he was the highest graded. Um, Panthers defender. Person. Yeah. Gotcha. Which he's he's pretty good. He gets too much hate. Yeah. Which I a will lot of say, fun, lot I of did see. I did see a take that Justin Burris sucks, and that I didn't like because <laughs> I think he's good. He's not great. He's he's you know, he, he's he's like. Well, I've learned that with most fans, you're either elite or or garbage. Like there are no good players. Or Curtis. Yeah, or there are Curtis Samuel. Yeah, there, there are no, there are no okay players or good players or mediocre players. You're either elite or trash. Yeah, or Curtis Samuel. <laughs> My thing was it with it was they, uh, they, they said that this kid Butler. I don't even know his actual fucking name, but they said that uh, UDFA Butler, I think it was, was better than just on Burris. And I watched. I mean, obviously. As you guys know, I watched every single Panthers game of the last season, and I didn't think that Justin Burris was bad at all. Like, I think he, that he had one game where he made a bad play, I think, and then you you know what that means. But yeah, if it's early, if you make a bad play early, uh, and you're new, you you are just trash for forever. He was Not, fine. Yeah. I mean. I don't even know who you're talking about when you say Butler. I have to go look at the roster. Hold on. The, um, I mean, 
The only UDFA I can think of is Rasul Douglas. No, it wasn't Russell Doug- Douglas. It was a specific safety for the Panthers that I saw a take where they were like, this guy was better than just on Bur- Burris. And I was like, There's what a are you Butler on the about? roster, though. The Sam Franklin? Franklin, that's it. Yep. Okay, Franklin, yeah. Okay. Butler, he Franklin. was fine. But he that was, was fine. the same thing. But it's the same thing, though, where he made like two good plays in a row against the Chiefs. And so, and that was like the first that we had seen him. And so now he's just good. That's also he could have been tra- seen him too. Yeah, but like that's, that's literally that's all he kind did. Of the, all year. <laughs> but that's kind of what, yeah. But that's what I was saying about with Burris is that the the first impressions thing. Like if you're new and people don't have any expectations for you, whatever they see first is what's going to stick with you, no matter what you do after that. Yeah, like just on Burris, he uh, he really proved himself to me at least when he played against the Chargers. Like he had two different plays that were game changers that. Most fans probably would have watched and not thought that, but they were both tackles for a loss against like major screenplays on like third down. And to me, it's like, I like, I think that this defense really needs to obviously get a corner, which as we said earlier, you know, we don't know if they're going to go for the Richard Sherman type or if they're going to go for the fast type and athletic type, but Hopefully they I just think, go for the good type. Yeah, I don't or just, care what. Or just I don't a good care player, yeah. As long as they're good, yeah. Yeah, like a good corner would be a would be a solid addition. A good middle linebacker, I think, is the biggest thing they need. Like because you know, to hear Whitehead sucks, um, so they need to have a good linebacker aside Shaq Thompson. I think like a defensive lineman would be good. But overall, like as far as the safeties go, I mean Trey Boston. Obviously, you can improve on him, but he's not the worst. And I kind of feel the same way about Justin Burris. Like, we need a lockdown corner, <clears throat> right? That's, we're we're a we're a true number one corner away from having a passable secondary. And then the we, need, we need depth behind Trey Boston and Justin Burris because they're older. Like, we need like Miles Hartsfield and Sam Franklin. They may turn out to be good enough, but we need a corner that we can put over across from Troy pride, Rasul Douglas and Dante Jackson. Like we've got those three guys can rotate in and out and Dante can play in the slot, but we need a, we, we really needed to keep James Bradbury is what we needed to do. It's kind of the cost thing. Here's the, yeah. the thing. And this is, I think it's about time for us to wrap up, but the caveat to all of that, what we were just talking about, um, don't fret. Cause there's no like, history that doesn't need stuff i feel like people get overly concerned about like the 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 potential of a team based on perceived holes that the team has when it's like every this team will never not have holes yeah so you that's you just the salary cap in and of itself is designed to create that problem yeah you have to get out of your head that like the panthers like, oh, we can't do this until we fix all of these problems we have. Like, because it's never going to happen. You just have to get good enough and get lucky because football's stupid and uh, for for things to go well. So, like, when we list out, we have we need all of these different things. I don't think we need to, we need to also kind of separate that from expectation that, like, all right, we need to tight end, we need offensive linemen, we need safeties, we need corner, we need a linebacker. Like, we're not going to get all of it. We, we never will because by the time we get all those holes filled, we're going to need like white, like DJ Moore's going to be 35 and we'll need a wide receiver. Yeah. So. I mean, I've been banging the table for a safety for a long time. So. <laughs> yeah. 
But well, yeah, Jeremy, no, I, Jeremy Chin can play safety. I think he will play safety once we actually have linebackers too. Yeah, I think yeah, if we can get a good linebacker, then Jeremy Chin can move to safety, and that solves your problem, Brian. <laughs> because I think he would be a Brian Dawkins type, elite, hard hitting safety. No, I agree with what John said because I think that you have to evaluate the problems that are the most pressing and kind of like let the other ones just kind of work themselves out. Yeah. Um, and I think that safety for Carolina is one of them. They have Justin Burris for another year. They have Trey Boston for another year. There's really no reason to invest a ton of capital in that. They have um, – Issues here at corner because Rasul Douglas was just some guy they signed off the, the streets. Dante Jackson's in the career year. Corn Elder fucking sucks. I mean, let's be honest. No, um, he doesn't. Okay. Well, Corn Elder, um, Corn Elder sucks as a man up corner covering Mike Evans, but he doesn't suck as a slot corner. Matt Rule actually found a way to make Corn Elder not suck. He was actually pretty good this year. So that's what we drafted him for to begin with, was to be a slot corner. But I, yeah, but you know, Ron, <laughs> be Ron. Yeah. Um, you know, hey, hey, Corn, go out there and cover Julio Jones. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you can't do that. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's right to say that Corn Elder sucks. I mean, he's not Deion Sanders, but but he doesn't suck. Okay, well, fair enough, but um, Obviously, Jeremy Chin's fine in the secondary. So, like, for me, it's like I look at the secondary and it's like, okay, we 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 should probably get one more corner. Yeah, we and, do need one more corner. That that I I agree. And we should probably find a more serviceable linebacker to hear Whitehead. I don't know if we need to spend high draft draft capital on that, but whatever. But I legitimately believe, and I've said this before, and I know Eric our um staff writer eric has also agreed with this in chat slack chat conversations if we just replace tahir whitehead with a league average like create a player generic linebacker our defense goes from being bottom of the league to mediocre like with that one change like if we change nothing else but tahir whitehead Exactly. That's kind of the point I was getting at. Like, like I look think- at Jermaine Carter versus Tahir Whitehead and, and the difference in, in our defense when one is on the field and one's not. So that's really the only need we have on that side of the ball. Yeah, exactly. That that was kind of the point I was getting at. Like, I don't think the secondary is as bad as people make it out to be. And I think that when you fill in those final pieces – that you can get away with that secondary. Um, on offense, the offensive line is probably the biggest thing, and I don't, I don't really think you even, even if you let Curtis Samuel walk, I think that the biggest priority there is the offensive line. Um, yeah, Taylor Moten is number one priority for this team. I mean, he can play left and right tackle, so you you got to keep him. Like, you got to do what you got to do. He has to stay. To me, I mean, I, I'm not Scott Fitterer, but he he's got to he's got to find a way to keep Taylor Moten. And even even if he doesn't, if he manages to nab Deshaun Watson, okay, great. So the draft should be focused on 
fulfilling the offensive line. Don't worry about the skill positions. You'll find your players there. I guess, you know, just let Ian Thomas maybe try to be better, but the offensive line there is the biggest thing. So it's one of those things where you, like, like John said, like you can't fix everything. So you got to find the positions that have the highest impact. And I think for this team on offense, it's the offensive line and on defense, it's the linebacker position. Nobody ever didn't win enough games because their safeties are bad or because they had a bad tight end. Yep. Right. Nobody, nobody's ever been like, quarterback. (laughs) <laughs> nobody's ever been like yeah man they, they're a super bowl contender if they just had a tight end or their lack of tight end is going to prevent them from winning this championship game yeah i mean realistically if we i i've never done it but go back in in the past and look at the super bowl winning teams what's the one common denominator aside from some outliers like the eagles what do they all have in common or at least most of them since about 2002. They all have a franchise quarterback. They all have a good offensive line and they all they have a all decent have a, defense. Not all of them have good offensive lines. Eli Manning never had a good offensive line. How many Super Bowl rings does he have? Two, in case you didn't know. Um, but the key is the quarterback, and I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't have a good offensive line. We should. But if you get the quarterback, everything else sorts itself out. Uh, Just like the Chiefs. Look at the Chiefs in that game against Cleveland with Patrick Mahomes and then with Chad Henney. They almost lost that game. If Patrick Mahomes got hurt earlier in the game, I think Cleveland comes back to win. Because it's all about the quarterback. Especially now, you can't even look at a quarterback without getting a, a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> I mean, the whole – he landed on him with his body weight. I mean, that's called a tackle. I mean, it's – you know, I mean, it's just – we just – we have to find that guy, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's um, Zach Wilson, whether it's Trey Lance, or whether it's Deshaun Watson. I don't really care which one it is as long as we, you know, as long as we find him. It's fair. They- Please let it be Deshaun Watson, though. Scott Fitter, (laughs) if you're listening to this, just trade for Deshaun Watson, please. That'd be fun. That would be so much fun. Oh my God, it would be so much fun. (laughs) I think I think we're 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 running pretty long, so I think it's about uh. Oh Jesus. We're looking at over an hour. Yeah. Hey, we made up some. We made up for some. Made up for last time. time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hey. Congratulations if you're still here. Yes, thank you for listening. From all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, we'll be here for you when Carolina actually gets to Sean Watson. That's going to happen. Just go ahead and bookmark that. From all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian, joined by Brad and John, and we will talk to you soon, and we'll have some more content for you. Thanks a lot for listening. See you. Later.